Christmas presents are exciting. Do you remember what you'd say is the best gift you've ever received at Christmas? I asked my kids this question, and here's what they said. My six-year-old loved her little talkie doll that could talk, blink, and not much else. Cost a whopping $110 after tax, and it lasted for a solid eight months before it found its way to the back of her closet. My nine-year-old said his favorite was the popular fantasy book series, six books in all, each getting progressively longer. The set cost $58 and lasted eight weeks before it lived its final dust-filled existence on a shelf. Now, my tween loved the Brainy Putty collection that cost $32 and lasted a measly eight days before it went to live in our carpet. Finally, my teenage son wanted the ultimate drone with a 4K camera. It cost the most and lasted the shortest amount of time. I'd like to say it lasted eight minutes, but no, it was eight seconds, which is only impressive in bull riding. As exciting as those gifts are, what if there was a gift at Christmas that was far better? In fact, so much better that it makes these look like, well, toys. What if this gift was worth so much that no one could buy it for you, nor could you afford it? What if it was something of extreme value, like, say, life itself? And what if this gift was given through the birth of a baby who became our paid in full. That's the gift offered to all. It costs us nothing, him everything. It lasts just a bit longer than eight seconds, eight days, eight weeks, or even eight months. It lasts forever. It's a cool video, isn't it? And a clever way to allow the deacons to come and clear everything out and switch things over. So, uh, but it is, it's a great video. It, it puts the emphasis on presence. That's what we're going to be talking about today at Redemption Chapel because Christmas is all about Christmas presents. And so I have some suggestions for you here. If you have put off your Christmas shopping and you have some Man, I'm talking to you, uh, and you have some last-minute Christmas shopping to do. I have some suggestions, like uh, you can do socks. Socks and underwear, question, how did this become a thing for Christmas? Isn't it, though? Like, you get to December 10th, and then you see this meme right here. Hang in, man, we can make, we've gone almost the whole year. Yeah, I need two more weeks. Two more weeks, so you can go get some socks or underwear. Let me see what other things I have. Okay, what about when you go to give somebody five and they like stiff you and they leave you hanging and walk by you? So you have the wind-up high five. You can just hook yourself up over and over. So that's a good gift. Go to Walmart. I'm sure you can find that there. Let me see what else do I have in here. Uh, somewhere down here is, oh, look at this. Okay, so uh, you guys know I love bacon, right? And so I get uh, bacon flavored stuff all the time. I have a whole bin of this stuff in my crawl space. So here is bacon flavored lip balm. Great gift. I, I use this opportunity to point out that there is really only one thing that I like that is bacon flavored. You got it. There you go. Good. But there's, you can go get that as a gift for someone. Or how about, do you, do you have any readers in your life? Okay. A reader. So you go get them a book. Here is how to talk to your cat about gun safety. They're like, that's a great gift. And that's only one chapter. There's how to talk to your, your cat about abstinence, drugs, Satanism, and other dangers that threaten their nine lives. 
Perfect book right there. Uh, let me see. One other thing's in here. Okay, here you go. So you can get a, a Santa Claus type of gift. Now, I've got to be honest. I'm a pastor, so I'm a purist. My house, it's all about Jesus. We don't do a lot of Santa decorations. But this one I might actually take home and have in our house. This is Pull My Finger Santa. <laughs> That's all you're getting this Christmas. He's got like 10 sayings. That thing's awesome. So there you go. If you are lacking in your Christmas preparation, man, you can go shopping today and get some Christmas gifts because, again, Christmas is all about the presents, right? If you're a Christian atheist, it is. You see, uh, we have just been wrapping up a series on Christian atheism. And let's start with atheists. Like the atheist is surprisingly into Christmas. Now let's break that word down, Christmas, that is, uh, you know, Catholics still use the term mass, that means a worship service, that's what it is, Christ mass, it is a worship of Christ. Now obviously an atheist is not into the worship of the Son of God who came into the world. But surprisingly, they're still into Christmas. What are they into? They're into the trees and the cookies and the shopping and the parties and the traditions and the lights and the stockings, but most of all. The Christmas presents. It's all about the Christmas presents. Now, that was true for me growing up. I didn't become a Christian until I was 16 years old. And yet, for my first 16 years, I was still way into Christmas. We got spoiled. Like, there was a mound of presents underneath the tree. It was all about that. Even before Christmas Day, I was into the Christmas presents. Like, literally, right? So, my parents had a closet in the basement that locked. It wasn't like your normal hall door, bathroom door, pick lock thing. It was like a real key lock down there. No idea to this day why they have that. Except that I did learn at a young age, I taught myself how to defeat that lock to get in to figure out what I was getting for Christmas. It was all about Christmas presents, even though I didn't yet know Jesus Christ personally in my own life. Now, my question is, is that any difference for us as Christians? I want you to imagine for a moment that this year for Christmas, we strip away everything. So there will be no tree, no lights, no cookies, no shopping, no parties. There will be no stockings and no traditions and even no Christmas presents. There will be nothing except this worship service of our Lord Jesus Christ. Is it still Christmas? Some of you say yes, that's only because you're in church and I, as a pastor, ask that question, right? So, but, but the reality is we're like, no, that ripped us off. That's not Christmas, right? And so maybe to tease it out a little bit more, I'll, I'll shift gears a little bit and talk about heaven because John Piper has a great question about heaven. Look at this, if you will. He says, the critical question for our generation and for every generation is this. If you could have heaven with no sickness and with all the friends you ever had on earth and all the food you ever liked and all the leisure activities you ever enjoyed and all the natural beauties you ever saw and all the physical pleasures you ever tasted and no human conflict or any natural disasters, could you be satisfied with heaven if Christ was not there? Ooh, ooh, that's tough. Maybe when we think about Chris, uh, excuse me, when we think about heaven, that it's all about what we can get from God, not about the very presence of God Himself. And that brings us back to talking about Christmas. When it comes to Christmas, do we want the Christmas presence, or 
if you see our manger over here, do we want the Christmas presence? His presence with us. What is Christmas all about? Now, if we're honest with each other, some of us play a religious game with God. Twice a year, we throw him token religious gestures, thinking that we fool God somehow in that, which is really a silly game to to play, to be honest. And here's why. Listen, if there is no God, then there's no one to impress with our religious activities. There's no one to give us presence when we do that. Why even play with Christianity? We ought not. However, if God is God, then do you really think that he's conned by your religious game? Like we can throw him some religious duty twice a year and then he's like fooled by that and and he gives us all the stuff we want because we are saying we don't want his presence. All we want are his presence and God's tricked by us. That's silly too, isn't it? We ought not do that. We ought to ditch Christian atheism all together, no doubt about it. And we've got to remember the true Christmas. So let's talk about that starting in Matthew chapter 1. In Matthew 1, what you have is that is where an angel goes to Joseph. Remember, Joseph wants to send Mary away. And he says, look, don't be afraid to take her home as your wife. That's which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things the angel tells to Joseph in that exchange is he says, look, yeah, his name will be Jesus. But Jesus has many names. One of the things he says is his name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. That is Christmas presence. That's what it's all about. Then you go to Luke chapter 2, and what you find there are the shepherds uh, are, are finding out the good news. So you have angels announcing to shepherds, and they say, this will be great, good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Good news of great joy. What is that great news? Is it Christmas presents? Everybody's getting a bike this year. Is that it? No. It's Christmas presents. It is Emmanuel, God with us. That is what is going on there. I mean, listen, why is it great news? Because prior to the incarnation of Christ, there had been thousands of years of human history, and it was all about death and disease and debt. It was about divorce and depression and darkness. Deep, deep darkness. But what if God would come? What if he would enter in? What if he would bridge the gulf and connect with us and take us home out of this mess? But in order to connect with us, of course, we need his presence. We need him here with us. We don't need presence. We need presence. What a gift. In fact, I really want to look with you at John chapter 1. You see, it is traditional on Christmas Eve that any pastor will go to the beginning of the Gospels, and usually we go to Matthew, Mark, or Luke. And the reason why is those have wonderful Christian narrative stories. John often gets overlooked. But let's look at John together. Here's how the Gospel of John begins. In the beginning was the Word. Now, I'll give you a hint. Jesus had many names. The Word of God is one of them. So that that refers to Jesus, okay? In the beginning was the Word... And the word was God, and the word, excuse me, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now look what it says about him. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Okay, but at risk of being irreverent, can I say something? Yippee skippy. 
Who cares? I mean, I, want, I, I get that that says wonderful things about God and about Jesus and about who he is, but who cares? He's still distant. We don't have his presence. We don't have connection. Wonderful that you're all great, God, but we have nothing to do with you unless he comes. And that's where John continues in verse 9, where we actually get his presence. It says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and even his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not, uh, excuse me, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And this next sentence is one of my favorite sentences about Jesus. Look what it says. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. See, after thousands of years of death and darkness, even after 400 years of silence, like prior to this moment, God had been silent for 400 years, and God broke the silence with the babe crying in the manger. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That is Christmas presence right there. That's Emmanuel, God with us. And it says he came full of grace and truth. Now I want to focus on that word grace for a moment. Because you need to understand something. Prior to the incarnation, every time, not every, but most of the times the Bible spoke about the presence of God, it was a threat. Parents, you know how this goes, right? Don't make me come down there. Anyone said that? All right, kids, you ever hear your parents say, don't make me come down there? It's okay, you rat them out. Go ahead. We're in church. You can do it. No. All right, so don't make me, or, or how about, don't make me pull this car over and come back there. Okay? You're offering your presence. But it's a threat, right? It's not a good thing. So prior to the incarnation, most of the times it talked about the presence of God, it was don't make me come down there. But now we get to this point in history, and it's grace. It is not about condemnation. It is about compassion. It is grace. Don't make me come down there. No, instead, now what it is about is that God should have squashed us. He should have destroyed us. We don't deserve his presence. We also don't deserve his presence. And yet he came. He came to us. He crossed the gulf that we could not cross. He lived a life that I could not live. He died the death I deserved to die. And yet he did it for me to be with me to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. It was all about God establishing connection, about having relationship with us. But you understand you can't have relationship without presence. God was all about relationship, not about religion. I love how Chris Maxwell says this. Look, he said, The word spoke abruptly, shattering a stained glass cage. When that babe cried in a manger, the word spoke abruptly, shattering a stain. What's a stained glass cage? That is religion. That's the cage of religion right there. And think about this, folks. If all God wanted was religion, he's at a distance, we try harder, we work harder, we fake it to others, we try to prove it to ourselves, If we just work harder. You know what? We already had religion. We had that for thousands of years already. Why did he have to come? Because he didn't want religion. 
He wanted relationship. He wanted us. He wanted connection, and connection takes presence. Not Christmas presence, but Christmas presence. Are you kidding me? The God of the universe, the one who created me, the one I've offended my whole life, he came for me. He wants to be near me. He wants relationship with me. He wants connection with me. He wants to rescue me. He wants to take me home. He wants to give me his Christmas presents. It's astounding. And yet many missed it. Look back at our passage. You see where it says, and he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Can you imagine? The Christmas presents is right there. And those fools missed it. And yet we're the fools. Because we have the Christmas presents right there and we miss it all the time. We swap out Jesus for Santa. We swap out Christmas presents for Christmas presents. We miss it all the time. And we do it in many subtle ways as well. One of the ways we miss it is we fight culture wars. Right? You know these culture wars and we fight these and we still miss the true meaning of Christmas by a mile. Let, let, me, let me get into it with you. Okay, you know, do you know they are trying to take Christ out of Christmas? Lord have mercy. Did you know that? Did you know? And I went to Target and they didn't say Merry Christmas. They said Happy Holidays. Did you hear about that city that is taking down the nativity scene from the city park? I can't believe it. And then they have a holiday tree. Really, who do you think you're kidding? I know that's a Christmas tree. And then I went to my kids' school play, the holiday play. There was no mention of Jesus. It was all Frosty the Snowman. Granted, not Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, because we now know that's about bullying, so that's out. But it's Frosty who smokes and wears no pants, so somehow that's in, right? But not Jesus, not Jesus. So we good religious folks get our knickers in a knot because they have taken Christ out of Christmas. And I say, I'm a Christian. Don't you say happy holidays to me. You've got to say Merry Christmas to me. And the whole time, I've missed Christmas presents. And I allow it all to be about Christmas presents. And I think I'm a good Christian. Folks, Jesus came to be with us. Jesus came to save us. Jesus didn't come to save Christmas greetings. He didn't come to save Christmas decorations. And he didn't come to save cups at Starbucks. He came to save us and to be with us. And so don't miss Emmanuel. Please, don't make it about Christmas presents. Let it be about Christmas presents this year. And let me get at it this way. Some of you are wrestling with a lot of grief right now because as you come up on the holidays, you are missing a dear departed loved one. And I want you to know our hearts go out to you as a church. We mourn with you. We pray for you, God's love and comfort. We give you our sympathy. And at the risk of being offensive, let me ask you a question. Is the reason you are missing, you want your loved one here this time of year, is it because if your loved one were here, you'd get one more Christmas present under the tree? Isn't that, isn't that ridiculous? Isn't that even hurtful and offensive? That's crazy. You, you don't want their presence. What do you want? You want them. You want their presence. And so here God is. He sees us lost in our filth and our mess and our grief and our tragedy. And what he doesn't do is give us presence. He gives us himself. He gives us presence. And then we mess it up and turn it into this stuff. Ah, oh, what a tragedy. 
Here's the question I want you to wrestle with this Christmas Eve. Are you primarily pursuing Christianity for presence or are you pursuing Christ himself for his presence? And what will that look like? What will that mean? Uh, I, I want to suggest for Christmas, here's what that could look like. Tonight or tomorrow, I want you to find some time to hit pause. Now, right away, you're thinking, are you serious, man? Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> Why? Why? Because we've made it all about presence. And it's not about presence. There it is. I want you to find a time where you hit pause, where you turn off all the lights except the Christmas tree. I want you to make some hot cocoa, curl up on the couch in a blanket. I want you to put on the song, Oh Holy Night. And in that moment, I want you to worship him. I want you to unwrap the Christmas presents, to savor him and worship him. Don't miss that. What about 2019 as we go into that year? What if 2019... We're not about what you can get from God, but we're all about getting God himself. What if 2019 is not about getting presents from God, but about getting the presence of God in your life? Pursuing him, allowing him more and more space in your life. What would that look like? How would he shape you? How would he change you? Don't hold him at bay. I want you, I beg for you that this year coming at us, you would experience Emmanuel, God with us. Oh, please don't fail to unwrap that presence. And for that, let me pray. Lord God in heaven, we love you. We admit before you that we have perverted Christmas. We have taken the most amazing Christmas presents ever given to us, Christ himself, and we've turned it all into getting stuff from you under a tree. Father God, we, we, we repent of that right now and we return our hearts to where they should be, bowing in worship before a baby in a manger. For you have invaded our world. You have come for us. Oh, what a holy night. Lead us in worship now, Lord, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.